Hello and welcome to the 250, your weekly and apparently now like hourly podcast looking at the IMDb's top 250 movies of all time and apparently the Chucky franchise just from beginning (laughs) to the end of its theatrical life. That's right, we've reached the end. Definitely the last episode we are going to be covering on the Chucky franchise, the last movie to be released in theaters. It is Seed of Chucky. I'm your host, Darren Mooney, and joining me, as always, on this Odyssey is my co-host, Andrew Quinn. How are you, Andrew? And, 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 uh, uh, podcast spouse. Podcast spouse. Yeah. No, I'm very good. Thank you, Darren. How are, how are, how are, how are, how are you doing, um, this April 1st? I, I feel like I'm doing pretty much the same as we were at the end of last episode, actually, which is quite nice. I feel like there's a continuity there. Um, and speaking of continuity, it's not that long since, since no, it really our, hasn't our been that long. Episode. Like literally, I think uh, listeners refreshing their feeds would have picked this up instantly. Um, and Charlene, we have the wonderful Charlene Lydon joining us again. Thank you so much for doing this, Charlene. We're sorry to have taken all You're of your Saturday. Welcome. Always happy to talk about Chucky. Um, and it's okay because we managed to look when we saw those listener figures on Bride of Chucky, which, let's face it, was a revival for our Chucky season. It overperformed maybe our most listened to episode ever. Uh, just going Highest live. rated, definitely. Yeah, I, I think so. And I think like the, the listener feedback was good. The reviews were mostly positive, somewhere around 50% Rotten Tomatoes, but it did overperform. I think its worldwide listener stats were just through the roof. I think if you were to inflate listenership to go with like how the podcast markets moved, it's roughly in step with what our Child's Play one episode did. But I think, you know, look, we were very eager to get the band back together while it was hot and fresh. Have a have a crossover. Yeah. Have like a um a a a Chucky versus Jason. <laughs> I, I feel like feel like Chucky kind of has like a height and weight disadvantage. In we're it. having a Chucky versus Jason. Oh, okay, okay. On uh the the, the I think I think we reached the stage the, of the evening where Andrew has just lost <laughs> touch with reality. Um we're, the, the, we 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 have Jason Coyle. Welcome. There's your lead in. There's there. I was waiting for Darren. I was low hanging fruit. Come on, like Jesus. Yeah, I was like Darren. Why is it such a setup? Why is he connecting? <laughs> Damn it! Sorry. Um, we have been doing this for several hours at this point. Is my defense. But thank you. The wonderful Jason Coyle is joining us for this discussion. And look, Jay. When we've had guests on uh, talking about the Chucky franchise, we just like to ask and get a sense of your relationship with the doll. Like your sense of like, do you remember the first time you saw a Chucky movie? What that movie was? And how does Chucky rank for you in the grand pantheon of like horror movie icons and franchises? Having the advantage, the dubious advantage of being old, I would have saw the first Chucky uh, a handful of years after it came out. Um, and... My reasoning for wanting to watch it, as anybody and everyone will know, is that it became a kind of de facto video nasty. Yes. Post, um, uh, post kind of the Jamie Bulger uh, killings in, in the UK, where the kind of the tabloid newspapers linked it to it kind of savagely, and it became a, a notorious film to see. Whereas I, I'm not sure how much I would have bothered, <laughs> weirdly enough, had he not linked it to it. But then every kid of my age, they were like, God, just go. Just getting into that proper older teenage, I'll watch anything kind of phase. I was like, yeah, I'll watch that. Uh, I'll definitely watch that. So I, I watched that. Um, I would have seen, I think, a couple of the sequels in the 90s. I didn't see them in the cinema, I don't think, but I did, did watch them. 
But I, 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 it's a weird one in the sense that I haven't really thought about them for quite some time until I decided to do a deep dive about two, two years ago in the way of that uh, kind of great lockdown time where we watched editing and everything. Um, I was like, I'm going to do them all because there was new ones coming out and there was rumours of a TV show at the time as well. So I was like, let's have a go. So yeah, I, they're, they're a very interesting watch uh, for older me. I really like them. I think their quality I'm, I'm... Is, is very good comparatively to other franchises. I was going to say, because your, your lockdown watch wasn't just Chucky or Child's Play. It was also the Halloween movies. It was also the Chainsaw Massacre movies. It was the it was also... Saw movies. It was the Freddy movies. It was yeah. the Leprechaun movies. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm in the midst of watching the Amityville, all 50-something films at the moment. So this is the kind of idiocy that uh, <laughs> maybe I haven't recovered from COVID, actually, now that I think about it. Maybe I just haven't recovered from that time. I think that's probably just, it. To be still afraid to go outside. <laughs> right? <laughs> Jeez, what am I like? Yeah, come to do space. no good. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I want to ask that. So, how does Chucky like with with having that context and having that context so fresh and watching them all close together? How does Chucky rank for you in terms of those major franchises and in terms of as a slasher icon? Pretty high, I think. Um, I like there. I think in the whole series, there's there's not many duds, which is uh, always a good point because you know, and the the dud comes kind of early on. Which is good, and like the the quality. You know, I I, I <laughs> I'll quantify that or contextualize that by the fact that not not necessarily everybody will agree on the quality of any and or any other sequels in in various franchises. So I may be overstating it somewhat, but I I'm a big fan. I I like them quite a lot. And I reached out to you for this because we talked about it in the context of like just that marathon. But Seed of Chucky, is that your favourite of the, the franchise? Uh, yes. I will get into it, but uh, I absolutely adore it. Um, I may have just finished watching it again, like, five minutes before I got on here. So, so yes. What a coincidence. So. I know, right? It's like, <laughs> the time it was impeccable. Amazing. <laughs> I mean, obviously you saw us watching, covering the first Giles play on our Twitter feed, and we're like, okay. I caught up you know. very quickly. Uh, yeah, like, in real time. Uh, yeah, yeah. So it was, I did good. I think it's yeah. a good thing that our podcasts are longer than movies. Yeah, because it means you get a bit of like leeway. I appreciate that, Andrew. I did appreciate that. Gave <laughs> it extra bit of wiggle room. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Charlene, like, let's let's talk a little bit about kind of seed specifically. Do you remember the first time you saw Seed of Chucky? Sorry, my internet has just gone really weird, but I assume you're just asking me about <laughs> Seed of Chucky. <laughs> you are correct. Um, four or four episodes into this, five episodes into this season, yeah. I'm hoping. <laughs> I am that predictable. <laughs> I, lo- I love Seed of Chucky. I saw this I saw this in the cinema, which is like probably the, the only Chucky movie I've ever seen in the cinema, I think. Um well, because this is the last one in cinemas. Yeah, this is the last one to be yeah. in cinemas. So, so yeah. I guess it was. it's the only one. That's mad. But yeah, I, I remember I lived in Wolverhampton at the time. I was going to university and I remember getting like the bus out to this cinema miles and miles away um, because it was the only one showing it. And there was someone smoking crack on the bus. And <laughs> that like set the tone for this movie <laughs> really well. <laughs> um, and like, Jesus, I mean... I think we said quite a few times talking about Bride of Chucky. The Bride of Chucky is just wild. But <laughs> fucking hell, Seed of Chucky is just so much wilder. I mean, it throws everything at it. It is bananas. I absolutely adore it. 
It is a splatter movie in just about every possible sense of that word, I think. It's just in- incredibly crass. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, again, the tagline of this movie was Fear the Second Coming. Hey. Outstanding. Promotional uh, gimmicks and merchandise for this movie included Chucky Gets Lucky Condoms um, as well. I wish I had picked some of those up. Uh, that would have been good to have. Well, they did expire in 2009. Just so if anybody out there... That, that wouldn't have made a difference. I'm, long, I'm, I'm married a long time, but still, I would have just like had the promotional material, you know? <laughs> Give them just out the to my brand. friends. <laughs> yeah. You, you, like, several expired condoms, like, for... Christmas present for, for all yeah. the family, Andrew. <laughs> yeah. Sentimental. Yes, yeah. it's a sentimental Precisely. condom. Yeah. Um, like, the tagline on the condoms was apparently, get a load of Chucky. That's it. That's very direct. I, I, I respect that. <laughs> It doesn't, doesn't, it's not hiding behind anything here. Barely a pun. An important thing for me in a condom is a good tagline. Yeah. <laughs> that's what you me too. It's what's that's how I always chose my brand. Yeah. <laughs> um, we should note, by the way, that apparently like Don Mancini's original pitch for this was going to be son of a bitch of a Chucky. <laughs> that was apparently his original pitch for the title, but then he was told that he couldn't use the word bitch uh, in the promotional title. So he was like, okay, we'll go with C. Obviously, we mentioned like last week, uh, Bride of Chucky was a massive uh, commercial success. The highest grossing film in the franchise worldwide. The second highest grossing when you adjust for inflation, which is quite impressive as well. Uh, Relatively strong reviews as far as the franchise goes. But it took a while to get this movie off the ground. You know, we're talking, what, about seven years between 1997 and 2004. And the reason for that is very, very simple and very, very tragic. And because we seem to use these movies to chart a history of genre in Hollywood... Uh, the Columbine uh, Massacre in 1999, which basically terrified uh, Hollywood and had this whole big thing about violence in movies. And in particular, major studios began to retreat from their major horror franchises in direct response to that. Really? Because yeah. you had The Matrix, like, at uh, that kind of time. Well, The Matrix was shortly before. That was the thing. And it was the trench coats. Like, that was the thing. And The Matrix was kind of blamed for it. But it wasn't like, oh, we can't do a Matrix sequel <laughs> now. I mean, they shouldn't. <laughs> they, they should have made a first and a fourth one. <laughs> and just skip the second and third Matrix. They should have made reference in the fourth one to how there is, like, two bad sequels. Um, but, okay, 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 but again, like, and well, Mancini, Mancini's talked about this, like, how really ticked off he was that, like, Universal put a stopper on the sequel to Bride of Chucky, but they went right ahead with, say, Hannibal which includes scenes of Anthony Hopkins eating Ray yeah. Liotta's brain that? and disemboweling a police officer. That's the Good thing. Times. I think Good that times. Good. people will like post hoc say, oh, well, you know, it was, it was, it was Columbine. But then you can pick like 10 examples of things that just went, went ahead in spite of Columbine. But they co- tend to shy away from horror in that way. You'll get away with a lot of stuff in Twitter's uh, that you won't get away with in horror because it's too kind of direct, I think, sometimes. Well, also, I think the, the argument is that, like, Hannibal was the sequel to a Best Picture winner. Hannibal was a sequel prestige. to a Best Picture winner. Highbrow. Prestige. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Well, that was that was Mancini's, like, big objection to them going ahead. Because, like, the other big example is we mentioned last week Rob Zombie and his, like, you know, his uh, Living Dead Girl and all this sort of stuff. But, like, his House of a Thousand Corpses had been, like, championed by Universal. It had been shot on the Universal backlog. But basically, in March 2001, like... Stacey Snyder at Universal disowned it. She basically sold it on for scraps and refused to release it through the studio. And again, the reason that 
Chucky comes in for a particular um, disdain is because he was mentioned during, like, hearings. During, like, Federal Trade Commission and Department of Justice hearings investigations, Chucky was cited repeatedly as an example of a character that was a quote-unquote bad influence on children. And I think that's the, the thing that Andrew mentioned, the transgression, because he's a doll, because he's seen as being, like, something that looks childish but is also lethal he becomes kind of a focal point for yeah. that Al Gore, Tipper Gore kind of thing. Yeah, it, it was like a lot of kind of um, boomer parents were worried about like their children becoming too rad. Becoming too <laughs> hip and too cool. Yeah, yeah. Being being, being like as um, witted. Having away with knives. As, as Chucky is. <laughs> yeah. They... I mean, like, again, he, like Mancini, like, I love how much Mancini wants to grind the axe on Hannibal. We should note, by the way, that he went on to write and direct episodes of Hannibal the TV show. <laughs> um, so he's clearly buried the axe, so to speak, uh, in Hannibal's head. The difference is that a movie like Hannibal confers a lot of prestige. First of all, there's a lot of money at stake. Chucky makes money, but not that kind of money. Also, a movie like Hannibal features big and glamorous movie stars and is directed by Ridley Scott. Studio execs like doing business with people like that because it makes them look good and they get a lot of publicity out of it. But a movie like Chucky or House of a Thousand Corpses isn't the kind of film that's going to get a lot of prestige for them because there's less in it for them, if you know what I mean. And like, I love how passive-aggressive Mancini was, where... When his initial pitch for Seed of Chucky, which is very close to the version that released in screens, didn't get greenlit by Universal, he came back with two, two competing alternative pitches. The first of which was basically, what if we did Hannibal, but with Chucky? <laughs> uh, in which Mancini... <laughs> so, for those who aren't aware, Hannibal's plot involves a disfigured survivor of the cannibal doctor kidnapping the doctor and planning to feed him to wild pigs. Mancini's pitch for a Bride of Chucky sequel, would have seen one of Chucky's former victims returning to do much the same, albeit with a pack of ravenous toy poodles, rather than pigs. While Hannibal found its title character living in Florence, Italy, this alternate Chucky sequel would have found him living in Venice, or the Venetian resort in Las Vegas, where he would be enslaved as part of a ventriloquist act. Like, I love how much of a direct screw you... <laughs> That was. Oh Christ, I'd watch that now. That sounds amazing. The other... These are Pomeranians. <laughs> Vicious Pomeranians. <laughs> um, and the, the other pitch that, that Mancini came up with was called a Clockwork Chucky, uh, which would have the good guy doll captured and deprogrammed of his violent tendencies, where his eyes would be held open and he would be forced to watch these violent movies until he no longer wanted to commit violence. And the logic here was that it would allow the studio to get a PG-13 rating. Uh, said Mancini, you could actually make a movie about the current environment and how it's difficult to make movies. It would be really funny to show Chucky in a classic horror movie situation where he's in the backseat of a car with two teenagers necking on some lover's lane. He's sitting there and here's a knife and here's a cleaver, but it just makes him sick and he can't do what it is he wants to do. We pitched that to them and they went, eh, we don't really get it. <laughs> Which I kind of love. You can kind of see the seeds of that, uh, so to speak, in the movie that we ended up getting. All right, then. So just before we talk about the movie in a bit more depth, three questions to get us started. So, Charlene, do you think Seed of Chucky belongs on a list of the 250 greatest movies ever made? Oh, this is such a hard... I have to, I have to say no, I think. But, but like, reluctantly. <laughs> and Jay, what about yourself? Is this one of the 250 greatest movies ever made? In a weird way, it's not, obviously, but 
it I, I like the like I big for more horror representation on lists such as this because we don't tend to get a lot uh, except for the the you know the internet favorites or whatever like you know whatever dog shit films that they like this year like it follows or something but you know what I mean the, the kind of ones that are <laughs> prestige horrors that everybody loves and uh, you know that's the one where the kid gets the head knocked off or whatever that one's called I can't remember hereditary yes those ones they, was, uh, they always turn up would hypothetically be it if we were in the spoiler zone yeah okay <laughs> but like so part of me wants to see a kind of these horrors and particular horror sequels which get such a bad reputation for people that don't ever really watch them pop up there and as for my worry this is one of the better examples and one of the best examples of it so as it technically it probably doesn't belong there i'd be fine to see it there you know because it's 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 excellent it's just an excellent film just a very good time I'm better than probably yeah, half the films on the list, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> but that's just me. That's just me. Yeah, hey, listen. Caper noun. Caper noun continues to climb. Caper noun continues to climb, Jason. That still baffles me, by the way. As much as I love that, it, it absolutely astonishes me that I feel I'm this popular somehow like that way. In that way, like, I love it. I think what, it geez. may have overtaken Top Gun Maverick. Oh my God! What? Speaking of bad, <laughs> speaking of bad films, um, like I mean, we we should note by the way that this is the movie director. Sorry, Sorry Top Gun Maverick fans. <laughs> this is. I feel if you're listening to a seat of Chucky podcast, you're here for a little transgression. I feel like you can probably get away with it on this. I, I think so. Just um, that, so. That, 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 that's a very strong take. The, the, the Top Gun is bad. There, there's like a lot of people who are like, that's a, that's, it's okay. It's merely great. It's not my thing, but I was like really impressed by it. Like, like why are you imagine- looking at me when you say that, Andrew? No, like the amount of people I've heard who who are like oddly. I don't think you're a lover of it either, darling. I think we're in we're one of those rare agreements. No, I'm not, but I respect it. I. Uh, <laughs> it's very disconcerting. It feels uneasy. I feel uneasy. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's like when we came out of Creed 3 and I was really glad when you had that complaint about how anime it was I was like finally we disagree on something about this movie uh, <laughs> there was a complaint as such I'd like it's fine but I just I think I'm not getting into that but anyway okay, yeah. we're, not, we're not getting into that um, but yeah like worth noting this is directed by Don Mancini his feature film directorial debut um, he had wanted to direct Bride of Chucky we mentioned that like he wasn't experienced enough for the studio to give him the budget um, so Kirshner moved him into a producer role on that movie which meant that he was closer when this came around when this came around, uh, Universal, like, pretty much immediately disowned it, which is quite impressive. Like, they preemptively disowned it. Hmm. Like, they, they weren't going to release it themselves, but they had, like, uh, obviously they owned, like, Focus Pictures at that point, which was their kind of subsidiary for dealing with more art house, more indie kind of movies. But they, they obviously, Focus Pictures by that point had already become kind of like an awards powerhouse. Uh, they, like, co-produced, like, Billy Elliot, for example. They co-produced The Pianist. They co-produced Eternal Sunshine, The Spotless Mind. And there was a sense that, like, Universal didn't want to get the seed of Chucky smeared all over their prestige indie brand Focus Pictures. So it went from, like, Universal to Focus Pictures to Rogue Pictures, which was kind of like their uh, disreputable kind of shady arm. I think they, the first movie that Rogue Pictures released was Orgasmo uh, from the uh, South Park guys, if I remember correctly. Huh. And it would also become like a holding company for, like, British films being brought into the US market. Like, for example, I believe the Edgar Wright movies like Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz and stuff like that. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, but they also basically greenlit it as Mancini's directorial debut on the condition that it would be made on a tiny budget. Basically, I believe $12 million, which is just on just over half of the, the budget for the for the previous film in the franchise. Huh. Um, and in order to make that budget work, 
Mancini basically could not shoot it in the United States. The previous movie was shot in Canada. This, to take advantage of various tax loophole situations, had to be shot in Romania, but it had to go through pre- and post-production in the United Kingdom in order to get the maximum amount of tax breaks. Sorry, this... This, Seed of Chucky. The shot... In Romania. Not in Los Angeles. No. Huh. No. That is odd, because it really does feel like it's in Los Angeles. Uh, no, it was... I, guess, I guess, like, Romania um, in the summer can can might might uh, have that sort of Los Angeles light. Yeah. Um, Clear skies and, and yeah. sprawling, kind of, yeah. And, and, and Massive metropolises and stuff. Perhaps there are mansions there that look a lot like Beverly Hills mansions, too. Well, a lot of stuff was built on sets. Like, that's, that's okay. the big thing about it. Is wow. That, is that, like, like all It's that... funny, like, how much tax breaks they must get, where it's, like, cheaper to make Los, <laughs> Los Angeles, Angeles somewhere in else Romania. Than, than to kind of, like, go... Uh, yeah. To actually uh, tax shoot will really get you. Like, that. that's the thing. And again, like, Mancini's talked about how, like, he quite liked that because, again, this is an homage to those old kind of like 1930s, 1950s horror movies. And the idea of doing a studio set horror movie kind of appealed to him as a filmmaker. Um, but in order to get like, so they got that Romanian tax credit, but they also wanted the British government tax credit. So they had to do pre-production and post-production in the UK. So they went, you know, they did all their hiring, all their interviewing, all their documentation, all their paperwork in the UK, moved to Romania, shot it, took all the footage, moved back to the UK, did all the editing, the sound mixing, the composing in the UK. And they had to consistently hire uh, UK actors to perform in the movie. Like a certain amount of crafts, people working on the movie had to be like from British guilds in order for it to qualify for there tax relief. There is a suspicious so case- amount of British actors in this film. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Apropos of nothing. Like. Yeah. Yeah. In case you're wondering why members of S Club 7 and Jason Fleming are popping up in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> it is strange, yeah. The 250s Jason Fleming. Yeah. Yes. From, the- from Lockstock and Two Spoken Barrows. But yes, so Andrew, what about yourself? Do you think this is one of the two 250 greatest movies ever made. I mean, it did convince you it was set in Los Angeles. That's got to be movie magic. <laughs> uh, no, I, 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 I don't. I, I, like, I, I think, I, I, I think if, if I'm, I did like this movie a lot. And I think if I'm being, if I'm giving a charitable interpretation, I think it's like intentionally kind of trash. <laughs> you know that that it's meant to look cheap in parts, or you could say that maybe it's a, a direct, it's a cheap movie with a director, director who doesn't have who, experience yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like depending on where you want to go down on that, but I I I wouldn't feel very convinced that it was kind of one or the other. I think it works anyway, yeah. whether it's kind of like intentional or not. I think the 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 aesthetic of it kind of uh, fits. Which uh, maybe the 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 story is kind of te- uh, trying to tell, uh, but no, I w- I wouldn't put it in the two fifty because you wouldn't kind of set it as an example of like here's <laughs> here's how you make a movie, <laughs> like uh, learn 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 from this because like <laughs> I I I I think like uh, uh, most people's version of of this like they're crazy kind of project would 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 be disastrous but i i i i thought it was great like yeah 
Uh, How about yourself? Do you think it's one of the top 250 movies of all time? (laughs) I love that you're looking at me and you're like, you're setting it up. It's like, say it, Darren. Make the argument. Say it, Darren. (laughs) (laughs) The answer is no. I do not think this is one of the 250 greatest movies ever made. I, I think you're onto something there with the idea of, I think, I think it is camp. I think it is very intentionally camp. I do think that there is a sense of the director's lack of experience, maybe. And, and, and like not being sure where the blurred boundary is between it being like intentionally trashy and it maybe lacking the finesse that an experienced director would bring to the project. I think Mancini gets better. As he goes along, I think he becomes a much stronger filmmaker. I think even if you look at, say, Curse of Chucky, a movie that we are not going to talk about on this podcast because it wasn't even released in theaters. Uh, but if you were to look at that, I think he's a much stronger director by the time you get even there. But I, I do also kind of admire this movie. Like, we talk, and like when we were talking about Bride of Chucky and how transgressive it was, and it, it is, and how weird it is, and how much of itself it is, I think like Charlene mentioned it, it's like, that is all true of Bride of Chucky when you compare it to the three movies that came before Bride of Chucky. But Seed of Chucky, I don't know that I have ever seen a movie that is more itself than Seed of Chucky. <laughs> yeah. That is like more what it wants to be and more like what it particularly is and nothing else could be. It feels like it didn't get or or like absorb any notes. It it does feel like the universal executives by the time they saw anything it was too late. Like, <laughs> yeah. so he came like, back when from are you me. releasing this? Yeah. It's already in theaters. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. <laughs> like it will surprise like we are a podcast based on the IMDb 250. It will surprise nobody to learn that this is the <laughs> lowest ranked jockey film. Uh, that surprises me. IMDb. Really? Yeah. And me. Like uh, honestly because I think that Whatever about, like, I think objectively, like, Bride of Chucky is a, a better made film. But, like, this is hilarious. I, I belly laughed way more at this than Bride of Chucky. It is so much fun. And, like, I don't know who's voting for these top 250. <laughs> like, I think some lame squares with no sense of fun. <laughs> but, like, Literally. I mean, like, I don't know. I would rank this higher than, I know that I don't spoil my next question, but, like, Fucking three. Come on. Yeah, three is three is at five point one, this is at four point nine. Fuck. Ah, here. Alright, we'll get <laughs> yeah, into and like, that. <laughs> we, we we will get like I, I I think there are reasons for that, not to It's closer to the bottom one hundred. Yes, it is it's yeah. appreciably closer to the bottom one hundred than it is to the top two fifty. Oh yeah. And part of me bananas. I, I think there are like not to stereotype the voters on IMDB, but I think there are maybe reasons for that. Um, and I think I, th- I, I like, am happy be- to stereotype the voters that I had to be. To be honest, I'm very happy to do it. Just to say, we need to get some um, kids on there. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, the yeah. We need more kids movies. We need more kids. <laughs> Where's the John Morris fan should be up voting this? Like mothers. Yeah. And then, so Jay, would this be on your own personal 250? Your own 250 favorite movies? I don't know. I'll, I'll put it to you this way: like, I don't know if it'd be on my top 250, but I'm said that. I don't think I've ever seen one Antonioni film, and I think this is better than all of them. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's I, I love it. Um, I I don't disagree with what you said, Darren. And then, so I think the course Chucky is a better director film. I don't think it's a better film. I think what this does is its strength is 
exactly what might be perceived as weaknesses in my opinion in that it throws everything at it and does things that you wouldn't get away with and what season directors wouldn't do because it wouldn't yeah. do it <laughs> but i think we, we don't see enough films that do that in my opinion yes. and i and but uh, arguably or whatever certain things that i enjoyed that i could say yeah maybe didn't work as well or whatever those kind of things that's fair enough but i i think i had such it's honestly one of the most entertaining films ever and i absolutely had a ball with it like i i was in oh it's a bit it's just like i don't know what's coming next every time i watch it and like i've seen it a couple of times and i still don't know what's going to happen next and there's so much in it that's just weird and transgressive and strange and absolutely ludicrous and i think its weaknesses <laughs> as perceived are as as much strengths in my opinion and how it works so that's why i, I treasure it so i mean like that's the thing it's like it's a long-running horror franchise and it's like would i rather seat of chucky or halloween four five and six or nightmare on elm street like five and six or you know texas chainsaw massacre three four you know, various reboots and it's like i think i would much rather have seat of chucky like I would much rather have Seed of Chucky, like Jurassic Seed of Jurassic Park, than Jurassic World Dominion or whatever. I mean, geez, I'd much rather have if, if someone could take on my phone for five seconds rather than Jurassic World. <laughs> you know, Seed of Jurassic Park, where you, you have like <laughs> the speedboard prequel. We did that always, <laughs> <laughs> and they have like now, <laughs> yeah. now, now, now you get to see how we create these dinosaurs. <laughs> And then you have like the guy with and then CGI it in. into the, the, the Richard Attenborough bit at the start of Jurassic Park. Eh? Yeah. <laughs> <to show. laughs> Seed of Terminator Genesis. I don't know. Um, like, like again, like it's it's living in the franchise age. Like I wish there were more franchise kind of movies that were this wild and this out there. Um, because like I I will never forget Seed of Chucky. Um, like, <laughs> as long as I live, this movie will live with me. Yeah. Um, but Charlene, what about yourself? Would this be on your own personal 250, your own 250 favorite movies? And where would you place it in your Chucky rankings? Well, as I've already established, I have no idea how to rank Chucky movies, but this is in my top three Chucky movies. Uh, One Bride and Seed. Um, and I would say there's a really good chance that all three of those would be in my top 250 personal, <laughs> like definitely. Um, yeah, but I would be hard pressed to put one one bride and seed in any sort of order. But like just watching, rewatching this film, which I coincidentally did just last night, believe it or not. Um, uh, how amazing! That's an amazing <laughs> so scheduling. Like, um, how did we plan this? Like, I don't know. It's, it's just, just so strange. I kept, yeah, you know, it actually was. It's been a while since I'd seen it. And I kept kind of thinking to myself, like, this is a bit dodgy, like, this is a bit dodgy, like, some real dodgy filmmaking going on here. But, like, it is just so funny and so adorable. And, like, I just, it fills my heart so much. And, like, kind of what you were saying, Jason, like, it is what it is so beautifully and passionately that you just have to love it. And, I mean, it it, yeah. it holds its, its, uh, its, its own influences on its sleeve by literally casting John Waters and if you're to argue to anybody why Pink Flamingos should be in the top 250, you wouldn't have an argument, but it should be. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, it's, just hard. it's that kind of like, I don't care. This might be shite and this actor might be crap, but like this is gas and look at their crazy hair or whatever it is. But like it all comes from the heart. Yeah. So yeah. this is why it sees like sometimes I think it's my favorite Chucky movie. But then other times I think all the others are excellent. <laughs> yeah, so it would def I, I think those three Chucky movies would be in my personal top um, 250. 
And Andrew, like again, temperature check on this because again, we we went into this blind. You have not watched any Chucky movies ever before, <laughs> apart from the ones that we are watching for this the series. Like, what was it like hitting Seed of Chucky? Like, you watched one, two, three. They're fairly they're you know playful slasher movies. Bride is a little bit out there. What was it like sitting down and watching like <laughs> Seed of Chucky hit you like I presume some sort of wave? Yeah, my my um my wife Petrina came home. <laughs> I was like in bed. Caught you with a Fangoria this. magazine. Yeah. <laughs> and she was just looking at me, kind of like watching this and seeing this. <laughs> it's like wow. <laughs> um, uh, no, I, 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 I liked it a lot. Um, I, I, I probably, I like, I, 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 I think it. I, I don't know if I can put it on on on, on my two fifty. I, I think. I mean, I, I can't really argue too strongly though against it either. Like it, it is a lot of fun, and I think like if I were gonna have. Uh, Bride of Chucky on Good Movie Island. There would be questions <laughs> about why Cedar Chucky wasn't there. Too. Yeah, yeah. But I think like Bren, kind of when we when we did our little introductory episode, Bren made the point that like there are the Chucky movies are kind of little subsets. It's like one, two, three belong together, yeah. and like Curse mm. and Cult belong together, and like Bride and Seed feel like they're kind Very. of like peas in a pod. Yeah, absolutely. I watched both of them back to back uh, to rewatch for this and. They're, they're almost like a, it's like the Godfather part one and part two of a oh. kind of <laughs> <laughs> what a wonderful way to put it dovetails so beautifully killer doll you can find your own uh, you know characters in that then you know Fredo and whatever but uh, yeah it's, is, it's is, is there an edit somewhere oh that puts the, <laughs> yeah, the, the, the primary order yeah. together. I, I watch yeah. the hell out of that <laughs> <laughs> I mean like I, I will say like and I guess this is segue to my answer when I watched the Chucky movies either last year or the year before, I think probably the year before, during I did the pandemic thing that Jay did, just not as committedly, where I watched the major horror franchises. And I will say that watching watching Seat of Chucky for the first time is an experience. Oh, 100%. I, was, I, don't know, I, I didn't really know anything. Uh, I went into it as a, oh, it's going to be fun. I was like, holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like there, there's nothing that really and again like this is kind of why it's fun to have a spoiler zone there's nothing that really prepares you for no. like the directions that this movie goes and the choices that it makes like narratively and thematically and in terms of character arcs and what i will say is that like revisiting it for this was actually i liked it more than i like i respected it the first time i saw it which is andrew's Andrew is like, that's the code for Darren didn't really like it, but he's being too polite to say it. Um, but I actually really, really liked it the second time. I liked coming back to it, knowing what it was. Mm. Like having the grounding of like knowing the vague direction that this movie was going to go. Vague is right. Even if, as Jay points out, rewatching it, you're still like, they're not gonna. And then they do. Yeah. Yeah. I will say that it is a movie that has grown tremendously uh, on me on rewatch as well. It was always a movie yeah. I admired. I think it's a movie that I now actually quite like as well. I don't Ooh. think it will be on my personal okay. 250. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Shirley, were you about to ask? Like, I was, I was about to go, woohoo, it's on your top 250 now, but it's not. That's <laughs> fine. Not. So, I'm sorry. sorry. I think okay. this is maybe, if I'm ranking Chucky movies, this is maybe third. I would put this ahead of Bride. 
Oh, I'm glad Joey's not here anymore. <laughs> oh, Jay, it's your favorite movie. <laughs> I know, but I, I, the, the way you're talking, I, I did, I didn't see that coming. Okay. Like, like to see the Chucky, I did not see the direction of that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, like, so so far, we've revealed of the Darren Chucky countdown. Child's Play Two is at number two. Seed is at number three. Bride is at number four. All right. Say that again. <laughs> I'm just like I don't believe any of that. So, Child's Play Two is at two. Right. Seed is at three, and Bride is at four. Okay. You you seem incredulous, having not seen. <laughs> what was so my? Because we're not going to talk about your favorite one. No, we're not going to get to talk about my favorite one. But I I'm oh, willing to make that sacrifice. Yeah, that's I'm willing so kind to. Of me. I think didn't I guess in an earlier one that it was either curse or cold? you you did yes you did you I guess mean, not you to got... pile pressure on Darren, but I think you should watch all do all the reviews of uh, podcasts of all the rest of the films and season one and season two of the show as well. No pressure, but I think you should. Well, do we're that. never going to do that. We would oh, never yeah. do that. We never one. and we certainly. This is the last one. We certainly wouldn't also do something insane for the reboot or something like that. No, nothing, nothing no, crazy. That would be Never. insane. Um, and April Fool's Day would not be the day to do that. No. And then final question before we jump into the spoiler zone. Charlene, if listeners have not seen Seed of Chucky, <laughs> I love that you're just laughing like, at the idea. <laughs> I think, I think it's a, a resounding yes. What are you listening to me for? Like, yeah, Jesus Christ, you, get, a, get on that. Nothing like. to say. Just watch that. Just movie. get it. Just get it. You won't even know. You can listen to the whole podcast, watch it. You still wouldn't know what's coming. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, Chucky is the answer to that one, Jay. Yes, I think. It, yes, yes. Sorry, Darren. It's going to be a lot of that, isn't there? There's just going to be a lot of that. There is. I've been on these podcasts for right now. This goes. It's the. It's the way the movie pitches itself very much in that direction i think it does. but you need no encouragement that's the worst part of it that's, that's fair that's fair um and so that's a resounding yes go yes. watch the yes. yes yes um, yes and jay for yourself i assume yes as well 100 percent. don't be listening right. to me i'm boring see it is not um, so see it seed see, see it. it seed Stop um it. and andrew what about yourself yeah absolutely yeah yeah it has to be seen to be believed um you'll never see it coming <laughs> oh jesus christ that's actually not bad i'll give you that that's, that's pretty good all right all right I'm gonna let that, one. that one gets a pass uh come <laughs> <laughs> jesus christ what are we like sorry i don't oh, mean yeah. to be a jerk off about it but anyway all right um, and and i would wholeheartedly recommend it i would wholeheartedly recommend watching this movie i would recommend like You've already probably made it too far into the podcast. We've probably already kind of like given you too much and given you too much preparation for it. But go in blind. Trust the movie. You will have an experience. You may hate it. You may love it. But you will probably feel very strongly about this movie uh, no matter what when you come out. I would like to as well say to anybody who doesn't like horror, you won't be scared. So like, yes, that's <laughs> if anyone has any like chucky phobias, I feel like this is the movie that's going to exercise that demon for you. That is, that's, that's quite fair. Yeah. It's kind of gory, but yeah, not like so in a stupid. way that makes, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it, 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 yeah, it feels very stupid. Yeah. Um, like we've talked about this, like the idea of the Chucky franchise as like babies for a slasher movie. Like if you're, if you're kind of, 
if you are easing yourself <laughs> into the genre, like it's a it's an accessible way of doing it that isn't it is. like as no, nasty or nihilistic this is as the I opposite <laughs> of, of like the uh, like uh, um, uh, opinion that people landed on in the nineties. It's like this is what we want to start our children off with. <laughs> We've come full circle. Um, <laughs> with that in mind, we'll segue neatly into the spoiler zone. Spoiler zone! So, Jay. Yes. What is Seat of Chucky about for you? <laughs> what isn't it about? <laughs> um, I, it like, it, there's a bit of everything here. This is, this is proper, proper aiming for some good slash bad taste trash of the highest order um, and succeeding to some degree on every level. Your tolerance may vary depending on the kind of films you like or don't like, but, like, if you're into the kind of utter madness of throwing everything at it uh this is an absolute good time just as a kind of slight aside um willow mcclay who writes a lot about film and is very good had a very has a very short review of a uh, seed of chucky on letterboxd it's like chucky and tiffany are legitimately better at handling questions of gender than most parents and i think that that's yes. at the heart of it as a film and i think what gives it a film heft and a surprising heft in a lot of ways and, and and one that's only i suspect age really well in the last whatever nearly 20 years now actually just thinking so 2024 lighthouse yeah. cinema 20th anniversary oh okay okay i like this um but yeah i think it i think it's aged tremendously well in that regard i think it's it's batshit i think jennifer <laughs> tilly should have got an oscar nomination possibly for it, she, goes, she goes all out in every sense like and absolute pokes on herself in the most extraordinary ways it's extremely reflexive extremely meta extremely gory extremely fun it just has everything you'd want for a Saturday night film, honest to goodness. And it's like 90 minutes long. I mean, like, Perfect. life hands you perfection sometimes. And you gotta, <laughs> just got to grab it with both hands. Like, you really you got to be willing to accept it. you got to accept it. you got to take it. you got to take it. So it's Charlie Kaufman, John Waters movie. Kind of yeah, a, I mean, a, a Charlie Kaufman would be proud to me. I bet Charlie Kaufman loves this film. Yeah. I can almost I'd say so. It. Yeah, yeah. Sure. I mean, like, again, not to put too fine a point on it, and again, not to put too much emphasis on this, but, like, Don Mancini has talked about this movie being somewhat autobiographical as much as a movie about killer voodoo doll, <laughs> voodoo <Yes>. practicing <laughs> dolls can be considered autobiographical. But it's talking about, like, things like the treatment of dysfunctional family dynamics and domestic violence, even the fact they're dolls, allows you some distance from these themes. If we were doing this film with actual human beings, the sadness would be a little overwhelming. This movie is autobiographical in some ways. Certainly, as a gay man, I had a very contentious relationship with my father that I would say is reflected in a satirical, parodying way in Chucky's relationship with Glenn and Glenda. Uh, like, it's very interesting to see a horror movie doing that and doing that so overtly and so aggressively and, like, so aware of its own history. Like, the the, the fact that Glenn and Glenda is an allusion to the famous Ed Wood movie, Glenn and Glenda, yeah, about yeah, yeah. cross-dressing, for example. Uh, you mentioned the the kind of the the inclusion of John Waters, John Waters and stuff like that as well. Like it's it's a movie that is very conversant with like queer theory yeah. in a way that like Hollywood wasn't at the time, which I find like remarkable. I think Charlene alluded to this like back when we were talking about remember when we were talking about some like it hot. Um, a movie that was on the 250 and like a canonical classic and a beloved movie. Um, but when, <laughs> when at the end of that, you mentioned it, 
I think you when you mentioned I meant Chucky, to see the Chucky fuck's sake. You mentioned you specifically <laughs> mentioned <laughs> you specifically mentioned Universal Pictures response when they were presented with Seed of Chucky, which was it's a bit gay, isn't it? It's a little bit I think too gay was like the, the just a tiny bit too gay was the note that Universal Studios had when they were presented with the finished cut of Seed of Chucky. But like it's incredible to think like now the idea of somebody they say that they're like they're in the kind of screening room and it's like it's a bit gay isn't it and like looking around it is right it's not just me, <laughs> it's not just me. <laughs> but like and, and again like this is 2004 like this is you know mid-bush era this is like again yeah this is america in the in the thrall of kind of you know again one of its big conservative kind of swings you know you have like you know I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry hasn't come out yet. Homophobia is, you know, like we still haven't, gay marriage is obviously still a big thing that Bush is campaigning against as an electoral stance. It's kind of incredible to think that like Universal through a subsidiary almost by accident. It was during the final year of Bush, wasn't it? 2007 was I now pronounce you Chuck. Yes, sorry, yes. Yeah, sorry, I thought you were talking about this. This is 2004. No, no, sorry, sorry. sorry. This is the final year of Bush 1. Bush 2 1. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, Bush 2 1. But like, it's just interesting to like think that this was a major movie that was released in theaters. Like, that's something this. I don't even want to say aggressively queer because I don't think it's aggressive. Um, but something so proudly frank. and openly, frankly, just yes, like frank, telling a, a story. Yeah. And I think if it wasn't as like fun and silly and trashy and extreme as it is, that would it would never have been allowed. If it approached it with any like wearing its politics on its sleeve in any way, shape, or form, they would have been like, no, 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 no. But because it's like a stupid horror movie with killer dolls. And he smuggled it all in underneath it, like, yeah. on the cover of Night. There's horror the for you. It's what it's always yeah, been. Yeah, yeah. Horror's always been at it, and it's always been the forefront of issues uh, forever. Like, Yeah, it's amazing. And it, it clearly comes from a place, and we kind of touched on this talking about Bride as well, is that, like, when something comes from a place of just pure kind of, like, love and humor and this is like what Don Mancini feels is the story and feels is the right way to bring this character and it's so genuine kind of does tend to age well and get away with yeah these. I think so yeah because it's real and it's not trying to there's like, a dignity in it like there's a proper thing yeah it's yeah. not trying to hit an audience it's not trying to like get the the pink pound or whatever it's it's there it's real and that's why some audiences Really love it. I think uh, I think sincerity is very underrated in cinema. I have to say, and when it it does stand out when you see it, and it does age very well in general. Yeah, and I mean, like not the IMDb voters, voters though. Mancini's kind of made that point that it feels like a large part of the backlash against it was in some way down to what I think Joey described last week as the Friday Night Horror crowd, the crowd who like understandably turned up to like a Chucky movie and we're like, he's going to hack people to death. There's going to be lots of stabbing, lots of murders. He's going to be a foul mouthed little doll. And then instead got this really interesting psychosexual family drama about having a, you know, non-binary, non-gender conforming child yeah. and trying to be a functional family unit amid all of this dysfunction um, or amid all of this kind of complexity and nuance. And like, 
reacting against that in a way that like and again Mancini's kind of it's also about piss and cum it is also about (laughs) bodily fluids yes lots of bodily every bodily fluid like sorry we're not in the spoiler zone no we are no we are are. (laughs) (laughs) the movie does open so much piss it it, it opens with sperm dripping yeah. down the screen like i absolutely yeah. love that they do like instead of doing it's the semen. blood yeah it's semen. and then it kind of like it was, it, it, you get like a computer animated cgi computer animated it's pretty sperm. bad is it, is it, it is it's is very it, 2004 yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> is it in inside do we does it start inside the walls of the penis or does it start in like in, in the vagina in, in, inside the uterus um or, well, no, or, it or in a vagina yeah well it certainly travels through the tubes I need to watch it again. Well, that's not. Let's let's not get in. Let's not get into the, the whole. Uh, okay. How it works. But, Come on, that's. <laughs> but again, there, there, like, there, there, there is there, some real Kendall Roy fortieth birthday party vibes to that, where it's like you follow the camera through. Yeah. Um, the yeah. stork picks up the cum. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, um, but I mean, it's not as if later on they don't have a conversation involving turkey basters. To be fair, yeah, um, there is a turkey baster filled with semen, <laughs> filled with dull semen. Like, he's Anders, like John Waters, uh, <laughs> photographing about- Chucky wanking. When I was, yeah, when I was watching that for the first time, I think that was the moment that kind of broke my brain where it's like, I don't know if this is good. I don't know if this is bad. I just know that it is. Is like John Waters staring through a viewfinder at Chucky masturbating furiously. Go get it. Go get some little guy. (laughs) (laughs) Remarkable stuff. (laughs) <laughs> like I mean and, and we should note by the way that Waters had obviously like he was a big fan of Chucky it will surprise nobody to hear that <laughs> nope. um, and he had kind yeah. of wanted to be a part of the movie and was very glad to be killed by Chucky like that was like, it was a huge he's fan he's so proud of that it's like his proudest yeah. achievement <laughs> that, that, yeah that, that would be a condition even the first time I watched it I knew he was going to die properly because you know he's not torn up as a cameo not to be absolutely more than the best possible way yeah. like you could get and again, you have that Hollywood thing where a paparazzi turns up and therefore it's okay to hate them. Whatever you do to a paparazzi. Absolutely. <laughs> Which is absolutely fair. Uh, I don't think anybody has an issue with that. They're not even people. Is, like, they're, they're is, barely people. <laughs> I think, is it a paparazzo? Although I think it's, now it's kind of like, you don't say panino. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, be a panini. Yeah, so if you're going to kill... So one paparazzi is a paparazzo. <laughs> think so it's a papa rat is what he is oh that was oh yeah oh oh that's some satire right there darn i like that sorry that was that was my mel gibson tom sizemore reference uh apologies remember that movie anybody remember that movie paparazzi no that's a film yeah it it was mel gibson and tom sizemore i think that's a cast isn't it that was a fun set Did Craig, ex, <laughs> did Craig X, whatever his name, direct that? Uh, the Dragon Toss Conkey guy. Do, do we, no, no, it, it is earlier than You're that. You're going to the fact oh, machine. We're, go, we're going to the fa- we're, Congratulations, we're going to the fact machine to check Mel Gibson's paparazzi. Two seconds. There's probably a lot of stories that'll come up on that. <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's, a, that's a dodgy thing to Google. It really is. Somebody, somebody like, an assistant is yeah. like, Mel, somebody's Googling your movie. Mel, somebody has to go five pages into Google before they get to the film. <laughs> and we're back from the fact machine. Um, it is, in fact, it's Paparazzi. It's another 2004 film. 
to place it squarely wow. in the context. So obviously this is very much of the particular moment. The emergence of TMZ, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Uh, it is produced by Mel Gibson. Uh, it's directed by Paul Abascal, um, who doesn't even have a Wikipedia page. Oh. Uh, which is interesting. Stars Robin Tooney, Dennis, Fer- Dennis Farina, and Daniel Baldwin, along with Cole Hauser. Nice. That's that's a 2004 cast in many ways. Isn't it? I feel yeah. like as someone who worked in Extravision all over that time, if I haven't heard of that movie... <laughs> it didn't really get over. It didn't really make any footprint. Yeah. Mel Gibson, who was one of the film's producers, appears as an anger management patient in the waiting room of a shared therapist. Is that Chris a... Rock appears as a pizza delivery driver. Vince Chris Vaughn Rock? appears as a co-star. Vince Vaughn? Yes. They're all in this movie. Oh, because it's like paparazzi oh, Matthew okay. McConaughey appears He's... as himself at a movie premiere I feel Matthew McConaughey appears himself in a lot of films I don't know why I feel that but I do feel that <laughs> is Dennis Farina on the poster uh... does it have his name no oh <laughs> there's a question for you with Dennis oh, Farina <laughs> it doesn't count if it's in uh, tiny letters okay fine <laughs> okay. No, nobody has above title billing on this movie to be clear okay. nobody wants their name <laughs> on paparazzi to be clear Sorry, that was a bit of a tangent upon a tangent upon I a tangent. I'm going to end up watching this, aren't I? No, I'm not. Yeah, yeah. you are. But does it deserve to I be on <laughs> the top 250 movies, movies of all time? time. <laughs> Do it, Darren. Dennis Farina vehicle, paparazzi. <laughs> <laughs> um, so as we all know, in the 2000s, obviously the rise of TMZ. And anyway, sorry, to back, talk about Seed <laughs> of Chucky. Um, to bring us back to Seed of Chucky. Like, the Tiffany of this movie, which is fascinating, right? Which is like, the fact that they do the whole meta Hollywood thing. And they kind of double down on having Jennifer Tilly in the movie where Jennifer Tilly is both Tiffany, but also... He's to get that money's worth. Yeah, also playing, like, Jennifer Tilly herself. Like, part of me wonders if they ever approach Brad Dorf Because obviously, like... If... I only said that at the end of that today, actually, when I watched yeah. it. Like, I would have... It would have probably been too much. Imagine. It would have been amazing. Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah. It just would have been amazing. Yeah. Well, apparently, like, Dorf didn't go to Romania... Um, was the thing he was the only person involved in the movie's production who did Beautiful. not go to Romania. I'll just do this in the studio. I'll be good. Yeah, but obviously he did. He he did as as usual his voice recording. Yeah, with. yeah. They, I I I would worry, and maybe I shouldn't worry, but I would I I I get the sense that like his uh, vocal performance and kind of doing that with Jennifer Tilly that he's very playful. I don't know how playful kind of like or maybe he would i don't know why i'm thinking this but i i, I don't think like a, a live action brad dorf would mm. would be as kind of like uninhibited perhaps yeah yeah yeah, yeah probably fair yeah i've never seen him be like this guy in a movie where he's no. acting like at all yeah, I mean, he, he's always he's, much more intense and kind of serious yeah, and heavy. like he's always good, but yeah. it, but yeah. like like yeah. I think that's probably fair. But, yeah, and he's also he's not again he's not Jennifer. I know he is also an Oscar nominee in his own right, but he's not Jennifer Tilly, where like Tilly has her persona she can play. Mm. With. Yeah, and and again, like it's quite remarkable. They kept the, Andrew says, you know, they they didn't get notes. They did get notes. They just didn't listen to them. Um, <laughs> but one of the one of the notes they got was that like, can Jennifer Tilly be more likable? That was like the, that was the big what? note. Likeable. likeable. 
fucking like hell. The, the big How no- could she be any more likable? She's amazing. <laughs> the big the big note was like we feel like the character of Jennifer Tilly in the movie is unlikable. The I, audience okay. can't sympathize with. Why her. are twelve million dollar horror films getting notes? Jesus Christ! Like, just let them do anything <laughs> you want. It's like it's chicken feed, like in the grand scheme of things. She wasn't very likable in in Bride of Chucky either. She was like a horrible murderer. So like they allowed that like that character of Tiffany Valentine be unlikable, and then why did they think that? making real Jennifer Tilly be unlikable would be a problem for the audience for Chucky. In, <laughs> in, in, in fairness to studio notes, there's a lot of talentless executives who have to say something. <laughs> that <amazing. laughs> we should feel I, I am sorry one of those talentless executives whose job it is. <laughs> You're a favourite one though, Charlene. You're the, You're the favourite one. <laughs> Charlene just writes in the script, should... Can Jennifer Tilly be more likable? They're like, Jennifer Tilly isn't in this script. That's my second Can note. Jennifer Tilly be in this, please? <laughs> yes. That's- Fun fact, actually, my, my wife worked with Jennifer Tilly a long time ago. Um, oh, wow. When they remade The Magnificent Ambersons in Ireland for TV, uh, like 25 years or so. It's Alfonso Cuaron, I think, did it or something. I can't remember, but uh, she was in it. And Jonathan Rhys Myers, that's it was that era. Um but Jennifer Tilly was very lovely and she had a chat with her a few times and recommended uh, the chicken tikka for lunch. And she said, okay, she, she was, there was a ballroom scene. My wife was a dance teacher, so she helped do this. She was an extra and helped coordinate bits and pieces. Of it. So there you go. Oh, amazing. I would love, if I met Jennifer Tilly, I'd pass away. I would never watch that hand Miss Haversham style. Uh, <laughs> kind of <thing. laughs> <laughs> well like and, and again like Till- Tilly herself was like apparently she was leaning more into the unlikableness she's like can you make me less likable I want to be oh, even so great at that I yeah. want to be even more cartoonish I want to be even larger than life which is kind of, and again and I don't think she needs to be likable because I think um, I think Tiffany is very likable yes t- that, that is a that is a question like is Tiffany the protagonist of this movie is Tiffany the character that we're audience sympathy aligns with I think with? so yeah he is well, yeah the, 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 yeah, I think that's probably fair. Yeah, she's the one doing all the, all the groundwork the and planning. moralizing. She's moralizing. Yes, I I love I love <laughs> that that amazing arc of uh, that that kind of the twelve step arc where she's bringing people yeah. to the she's murdered. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> that kind of, it's just amazing the conversation as well. The person's bawling on the other end of the line. You know, I'm really sorry. I feel I'm in a better place now. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> thank you. I feel better already. Again, yeah, the narcissism you, yeah. of it, like the narcissism yeah, yeah, yeah. of I'm going to ring you <laughs> and bring all this up to make myself yeah. feel better. <laughs> Um, so I'm progressing as a human being. I get like so I truly love that. Like, <laughs> like there's the the moment where like, and again, the the bit where, and again, I think it was Tilly who suggested it would be hilarious to have Tiffany be Tilly's biggest fan. Yeah, like to have her like go to Hollywood and not be like I wanted Julia Roberts. It's like no, I'm obsessed with Jennifer Tilly. Um, <laughs> like the moment where she's like the bit where she, is it, my mom used to say, you can always smell it on girls that sell it. By the way, would you sign my autograph? <laughs> just so like again, there's something delightful in that kind of like the weird again, the Martha Stewartness, the the the, the wholesomeness but also the perverseness. They're, they're watching her execution. Yes. Yeah, they're executing Martha Stewart this morning. <laughs> it's just a great line there. It's just a throwaway. It's great. And as as Don Mancini notes, he's really glad that Martha Stewart was convicted because otherwise that joke wouldn't have landed. Uh, fair. Very fair. <laughs> but like it, there is something there in the idea of like Tiffany is the most and again the weird arc that like Glenn and Glenda has like where 
Glenn and Glenn, again, there's the, the queer reading of this where you are born one way or you're born into a way of life and you, you don't want to be that. Where you're born as a killer doll with like the creepiest face anybody's Aww. ever seen and Hideous. horrible fangs. And a weird English accent. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, which only exists for tax reasons. Yeah, yes. yes, yes. Yeah. Um, by the way, that was Billy Boyd. Um, yeah, yeah, which is yeah. kind... Lord of the Rings, right? Yes, this was his big cash in on Lord of the Rings. It's like, what am I doing after Lord of the Rings? What am I doing to capitalize on this? It's like, you know. Dominic Moynihan oh, is doing it. careful. Hats. You only get one of these. Yeah. <laughs> You're doing this, pal. But he's so good. Like, I mean, yeah, he, is, yeah. he is just brilliant in this. And like, I completely I'd agree. be hard pressed to think of anything else I've seen Billy Boyd in. Um, but like, full stuff. It's like two to two, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, with Lord of the Rings and this. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, I I love the fact that like New Line Cinema apparently when this movie went to Comic Con it was the same year as Return of the King, and apparently New Line Cinema forbid him from being <laughs> on the like seat of Chucky. No, let's not stain the big the big money. Like, <laughs> yeah, <that's an> <laughs> um, I I can actually understand that. Like, like, like you know, <laughs> this is not the film you want to associate with Lord of the Rings. Like, it's going like, to bring all of those young fans. Sorry, sorry. Pretty really brilliant comic performance. Like, it's properly absolutely breaking my arse every time he opens his mouth or moves or looks or anything so like not to like jump ahead but like these puppets are also absolutely brilliant but yeah I, I think Billy oh, yeah. Boyd should have been nominated for an Oscar along with Jennifer Tilly <laughs> and best picture I'm going for best picture I'm shooting my shot here that's, that's all I'm saying <laughs> That made in Japan joke where it's like, well, yeah, my parents, glorious. like, are they Zen masters? Do they consult the emperor? <laughs> that is, Actually, that... as a question to the fact machine, what was best picture for the year that I could have been nominated for best picture? And see how many it's better than. I bet it's better than half of them. 2004. 2004, 2005, would that have been Chicago? That's what I was thinking. Chicago. Okay. Wow, okay. Jeez. Uh, no, no, by, just... by the way, while you're going to the fact, fact machine, that scene, that scene at the end was a Japanese character fighting a half robot, half man, like in RoboCop Three. Good call. Let's see a obligatory wow. RoboCop reference. Very good, very good. <laughs> and good call to Charlene. It was in fact Million Dollar Baby was the Best Picture winner that year. A movie that is on the two fifty. Well, I concede of Chucky is better than Million Dollar Baby. I would agree. Okay, what about The Aviator? I think I think Seed of Chucky is better than The Aviator. Well, close what about it, it, finding neverland i think seed of chucky is better than <laughs> yeah neverland. seed is better there's more piss in the aviator right there is more piss in the aviator be a close one thing though that's where there, there are more jars yeah yeah it's, it is pretty close um ray definitely better than ray seed of chucky and sideways okay i'll see sideways the aviator really that's that's the one you Okay. Yeah, I think that, that, that'd that be the biggest uh, challenge to me now, but I'd still say Seed of Chuck better than Sideways. certainly get a nomination in that, within that For field, sure. <laughs> Knock out Ray. Easily. Ray, Jesus. Anyway, I wish, it was, I wish we lived yeah, anyway. in a world where there's an obligatory horror like, Every year. stuck in there, like there is some biopic yoke. But anyway, that's, a, yeah. that's another conversation. Well, remember, well, we did talk about it. There was the brief horror hall of fame thing, which disappeared between Child's Play 3 yeah. and like Brian It's going to be Jumper. like a, a biopic of Camilla Parker Bowles. They'll have like a best picture <laughs> and, and best actress nomination. Meryl Streep's yeah. 17th Oscar. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> 
It's always Meryl. God bless her. <laughs> like, who cares? Like, <laughs> just kind of like, they've done what they're meant to do, so let's nominate it. Um, yeah. Perfectly functional. I mean, and, and again, just in terms of kind of running through the cast, I mean, again, the idea of setting this in Hollywood, the idea of like Mancini, who'd worked in the industry, uh, the idea of kind of the meta self-awareness aspect of it. The director character, it will surprise nobody to hear this, was originally meant to be Quentin Tarantino. Uh, Tarantino was apparently a fan of Chucky and Mancini sent like an invitation to appear in the movie. Uh, it was not returned. It was not acknowledged by Tarantino. Apparently his agent got back and politely declined. Now it has been did, suggest- they, did they read the script or was it literally like, <laughs> as, like I wonder if he was just not interested or if he read the script and goes like, I, I, I don't think I'm such a decrepit beast. <laughs> <laughs> Where's my monologue? Yeah. Like? <laughs> yeah. I- I I don't I, I don't talk about Jennifer Tilly's feet at all here. Like, this yeah. isn't true to me. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah, like and again, like it was they they also suggested Joe Pantoliano. He was he was another. Oh, oh I could see that. Yeah, because again, they wanted to get to the bound. They, again, it's weird how bound is kind of the ur text for Tiffany and for Jennifer Tilly here. Where it's, it's People like, really love that movie. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, Gina Gershon's just fingering me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this goes back to it being too gay. <laughs> like, yeah. Is this film too gay? It's just got loads of references to bound. But it has that wonderful yeah. scene though where they're on the phone and it's like Jennifer Tilly not talking, but it's Tiffany talking, but it's Jennifer Tilly talking, and oh, stuff yeah. going on, yeah. which is just. So I don't sound back. like that. I like. I yeah. absolutely yeah, yeah, stop yeah, exactly. doing. I don't like, sound. So, yeah. It's lovely. But like, and then again, like originally, like so, it was going to be Joe Pantoliano for the reunion at Bound. They do bring that back for the series, which I quite mm. like. Like yeah. the series has a big Bound reunion oh, in it as well. Brilliant episode. Uh, and also, like again, we mentioned that idea of like the Clockwork Chucky that also comes back yeah. in the series as well because one of the things yeah, is done. Animal Chucky doesn't so far. So, so far. far. Oh my god! I can't wait for that. <laughs> I actually haven't seen season. I've only seen season one of the show. I haven't seen the second okay. season yet. Oh. Season two is pretty good. Well, we've just like spoilered season. two episodes there. <laughs> you, you can't spoil these. Like it, nah. it, it's all in the execution. Like it, it it's, is. To be honest, you can tell me literally the plot for everyone. You can tell me the plot for a seat of Chucky that I'd watch it, and that would make a difference. Exactly. Yeah. I don't think you can tell anybody the plot for a seat of Chucky. No, that's true. That's, that's <laughs> very true. <laughs> and like you, you, you have oh. then. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. No, I was going to say, how, how do people feel about the? The, the kind of unnecessary scene with like Britney Spears. Spears. I did uh, laugh at that though. <laughs> Go for it. I enjoyed it too. I, I thought it was so silly. Like, yeah, it, it's one of those things. It's maybe the part of the movie that most firmly dates it as two thousand and four. Yeah, like yeah. where it's like we know what we know now it, about her struggles and her suffering and Chucky stuff. Chucky had frosted tips. <laughs> it's like in 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 the previous movie, Bride of Chucky. They kind of. What dates that is probably the like Christian Slater at New Year's Eve. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 that's yeah, like yeah. random reference. <laughs> like who? Who? Twenty year olds going? Who the fuck is Christian Slater? <laughs> I mean, you mentioned that with the uh, with the the kind of the the cameo from Britney Spears played by Nadia Dina Arakat, who is a professional Britney Spears lookalike. It should be noted. Oh. Uh, in order to include that scene in the movie, they had to clear it with the lawyers. There's also another line that they had to clear with the lawyers um, where she's like, Julia Roberts slept with Steven Soderbergh to get that part in Aaron Brockovich. Yeah, yeah. She has to be corrected by yes. Joan. Joan sure has to say, you, you know that's not true in order to avoid libeling Julia Roberts. I, I thought that might Chuck. be the case, actually. It's a great line by Tilly. She sounds like that. Oh, God. 
in order to get the Britney Spears reference in, the trailers, and we'll include them in the show notes and the posters, have to include a line saying, this movie features no involvement from Britney Spears. Just to avoid misleading any potential oh. Britney Spears fans. Sorry, the trailers. Yes. This summer. God, it, once, this this, once he showed a cut of this, they really had to do a lot of work around stuff. Focus Pictures had to place disclaimers in trailers and TV spots that read, and I quote, Britney Spears does not appear in this movie. <laughs> Focus then released. <laughs> they should do that for all their movies. I'm starting to feel sorry for the execs. Except for in like Crossroads. Except for, yeah, except for the one that does feature Britney Spears. Just so we're clear. <laughs> sorry. But then they had to release a statement to MTV with quotes from Chucky himself to address the controversy. We wanted to make it clear that no actual Britney Spears were harmed during the filming of Seed of Chucky. <laughs> However, we can confirm that Chucky does in fact have a crush on Britney and she has an open invitation to screen the film at any time. When told of this invite, Leslie Sloan, a spokesperson for Spears, responded, that's a very sweet gesture. We'll let Britney know. <laughs> it's just getting weird, isn't it? Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> well, again, this is very, again... Yeah, yeah, he's cute, but I hear he's married to Tiffany. <laughs> <laughs> and you, you don't want to get involved Poor Britney with that. doesn't have much luck with men. Like, no, no, no that, that, is, that is very true. fair. But again, and again, like it is the the Hollywoodness of it as well. Like again, the the sense of it being a parody of the industry that the it, it is very on the nose. It's not particularly subtle. Where you have things like you know Jennifer Tilly having to prostitute herself to Redman to play the role of the Virgin Mary, mm. uh, to, much to the disdain of Hannah from S Club Seven. Another person who was hired in order to get that sweet, sweet UK tax rebate. What an amazing piece of casting for yeah. me and um, me only and nobody else on earth. <laughs> by the way, she she's an example of somebody who does nothing wrong and doesn't deserve to die. Yes. Like she doesn't fuck with Chucky. She doesn't fuck with Tiffany and does, does like, actually, hold on. I think if it it's, I think it's her asking jennifer tilly like oh how's that diet going um is is probably what gets her um killed uh, immolated yeah i mean i do like that she is fired earlier in the movie and then she's fired at the climax that is true. that's inappropriate yeah. smoking one might say but I, I i don't think the audience is rooting no. for her to be set on fire which what? is an odd kind of a move I think that that kind of ties into the Glenn and Glenda thing, though, where like the, the reveal, the reveal where it's like Glenda has those urges that she can't control. And Glenda Again, turns like, into Barbara Windsor all of a sudden. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, what? What's happened here? That is uh, incredible. <laughs> Get out of my pub. I'll go with this. Uh, and also just before we move off, Joan, it's worth noting that role was apparently originally written for Meg Tilly. Oh. The original plan was for like it to be, and again, that's another thing that Mancini comes back to for the TV show. Mm -hmm. But it was originally meant to be Jennifer Tilly's younger sister was going to be that that's role. Funny. It wasn't going to be her assistant. <laughs> but like to to bring it back to the the again the the Glenn Glenda stuff. Like one of the things that the movie, I don't want to say it's been knocked for because we mentioned it's a queer classic. We mentioned it's ahead of its time. We mentioned it's generally beloved. Uh, I think this is more just to note that this is Mancini himself. When the movie came out, some of the criticism of it was the idea that, like, the ending where Glenn and Glenda are split into two separate bodies uh, with two separate souls uh, was kind of like, 
that maybe breaks the metaphor of like non-binary, um, you know, mm. non-conforming, where instead mm. it's just two conforming identities in two different bodies. And I think it's it's interesting that Mancini in the show kind of comes back and like tries to engage with that from a modern yeah. perspective, yeah. which I think is like commendable. Like I think that's that this isn't a criticism of Seed of Chucky, which was written in two thousand and four. Yeah, I think I think but, it's up its time a little bit in that regard, and they probably yeah. wouldn't have got away without an ending of that sort yeah. to a certain degree. Yeah. Mm. Um, I again, I, I think it's a point Joey made when we were talking earlier about like Bride of Chucky, where it's like the series grows and evolves and it has its heart in the right place and that gets it very far. Yeah. Like the fact that there's no malice or no ill intent. Well, even like, I know it does end like that, but like everything up to that point is is really kind of considered in how it's treating this character. So maybe, you know, it's, it's sort of a little bit undone by the very, very end. But like, I love how really like Chucky doesn't really give a shit. He just wants them to be a killer or wants them to be a killer. It's all Chucky wants. <laughs> Doesn't give a fuck like ever anything else. Um, obviously wants a boy and she wants a girl, whatever. But like, I I kind of think the way it's dealt with is is quite progressive. If it wasn't for that ending, so it almost kind of makes me go, yeah, we're well, fine. But at least it, they've done real well up to that point. And I mean, like, and again, that the handling of Chucky is quite nice because you have that arc of like accepting a kid because it's like. Mm. He wants, it isn't that he wants a boy and he got a girl. It's it's that he wanted a killer and he got somebody yeah. who isn't a killer. Exactly. Um, so it works kind of as a metaphor for mm. I do like the fact that they, they get the photograph with the John Morris character dead like they did. I knew you had it in you. And his little face, like his little yeah. head hanging in shape. Yeah. My God. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Like, it's like, like, and again, like how how awful Chucky is in such a brilliant way, where he's just driving the car, and like he's like, where he's driving Redman's Humvee with Ben England <laughs> working the pedals, which is great. Like it feels like the cult. We talked about how Chucky in a car is just immediate gold in this <laughs> yeah. franchise. Yeah, um, and Chucky driving a Humvee <laughs> while Glenn England works. The- yeah, it's just. Does Britney Spears see that there's a, a uh, there's a puppet driving the car and say, "Fuck you, puppet driving a car"? <laughs> like just flips him off. But it does it does work that like it's a, it's a different character in a different car giving Chucky a finger. Yeah, and again, yeah. Like, it feels like it's a nice payoff to a long running arc. He deserves it. How would you feel about when we mentioned Chucky masturbating? <laughs> But like Tiffany is leaving him there and it's like, okay, enjoy. And then she just flashes her titties. Yeah. Um, I, I just... actually rewound that to the watch. <laughs> I mean, it's just so funny. It is just so fucking funny. <laughs> it's incredible. It's actually incredible. And, and again, you get like underneath all this, you have a like a pretty solid character arc again we talked about it like the 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 thing with adding tiffany to the cast and i guess also adding glenn and glenda is that you get these people for chucky to play off which makes it more interesting Mm. where like tiffany wants to change like this you have this metaphor of her being the relapsed addict Mm. where she is trying to get clean she's trying to set a good impression for glenn and glenda she doesn't feel like she has you know, like she she wants to be better than she is. I love that Chucky's arc is now. I am an awful, awful, awful person, and I am committed wholeheartedly that. Like I'm proud of it. That moment he gets where I'm Chucky the killer doll, and I dig it. 
Like, which, which again is like in the context of a movie about like gender identity and, and gender non-conforming sexual orientation. Like, it's really great to have a monster who at the end of it goes, actually, I don't want to be quote unquote normal. Having spent the previous, you know, three or four movies trying to get back into a flesh and blood body, yeah. I have finally a accepted five films into the franchise. That's <laughs> never going to happen. But I've also like learned that I am like content with who I am. Again, the most transgressive way you could possibly make that point. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> like yes, it is. It, it it tracks with everything else that's in there. Just like self acceptance. <laughs> yeah. Weird way. That's, that's surreal. That's just trying to be your best self. <laughs> <laughs> we could all learn a thing or two from Chucky. Could. Yeah. But I can't stop killing, but I don't want to. So there. I'm <laughs> coming around to that. I I was. I would have bought the book, Chick Chucky's book of Cam. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) yeah earlier when we spoke about tiffany kind of like and her being like the main character and i was thinking in terms of like yeah she kind of um grows you know because she she's kind of like struggling with something and having an arc and that glenn um glenda uh, has the same thing but yeah that that whole idea of chucky just kind of like accepting himself (laughs) Yeah, his worst, his worst self. That was that was his journey. <laughs> yeah, was finally getting there. The hero's journey. <laughs> like trying to do the twelve steps and then just going like, nah, I actually just liked it the way it was. Because yeah, he continues along, like he continues with the plan to transfer himself into Red Man. Like he's 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 game with that idea up to a certain point. Yeah, and he, when it he, just... he, he he he, it's the second time. Yes, Chucky's that... gonna be your brother. Exactly, oh, yeah. yeah. From from Chucky Tree, from Child's Play Tree. I'm really glad that that failed. Uh, <laughs> for many Brad, reasons. I can't picture Brad Dourif walking around doing Red Man. No. <laughs> right, like. um, we we should we should also note then just uh, in in terms of other stuff uh, in terms of the movie again like and this idea of like Chucky as like this weirdly toxic possessive force where it's like you don't get to leave. Me. Yeah. Like, where, where the end of the movie is, like, Chucky himself is literally torn apart as the family breaks up. Mm-hmm. The the thing that he does to punish Tiffany is he traps her in a plastic body with him for all eternity. Yeah. Like, that's that's the fate. That's, like, his punishment of her and his kind of compensation or reward to himself. And here you have him literally say, nobody leaves me. Yeah. Um, but in the end, they do, which is, again, not to put too fine a point on it as a kind of a queer-coded, like, coming-of-age story. There is something there in terms of like familial relationships. Mm -hmm. But like the fact that at the end you have him cut up into several different pieces and even then the family, like his arm attacking Glenn at the very end. Because even when he's split up, even when he's taken apart, he's still trying to hold on to that. Well, that's where it comes into the the kind of domestic violence stuff that that, that, uh, Don Mancini alluded to. Like even that stuff, that stuff follows you around, you know, a horrible dad yeah, you know like you, it never quite goes away and yeah. uh, you know like addiction you know this, this actually kind of ties into a lot of stuff this is why it should have been the best screenplay picture best picture that yeah. year obviously yeah it's adapted screenplay that's right because it is a sequel it would fall yeah. into the adapted yes. uh, screenplay category i am not against this we're looking at six seven Oscar relations then. very clever very <laughs> clever screenplay there's a lot yeah, going yeah. On in 100%. This yeah absolutely is um in terms of other stuff just to note uh the puppets themselves um Fantastic work. they were this is the first movie that uh, kevin yeager did not work on he was the guy who was responsible for the puppets in the previous four movies he didn't work on the puppets for several reasons first of which was that they wanted to pay him a lot less 
Uh, mm. So he was like, no, I would rather not do that. Standard Hollywood stuff. Standard Hollywood stuff. Second of all is we want to travel to Romania and you would have to work with a Romanian staff for tax benefits. And he's like, I work with like experienced people. Like the whole thing is like in order to get these movies made on time, I need people who have experience in animatronics and puppetry. And the whole Romanian tax benefit film industry thing is to teach them. And we don't have time to do that on a, on a budget on a film with this budget and time. And the third thing, which I hadn't realized, uh, but which was pointed out to me, was that like they wanted to keep the puppets afterwards. Like the, the condition of this would be the studio would get to keep the puppets. And the issue with that is that that's all proprietary information. Of course. The design of those puppets and the animatronics that work those puppets are proprietary. Uh, so if you, because if you leave them to the studio, the studio can work them without you the second time. They can reverse yeah. engineer them and they can take all of your trade secrets. So that is not something that he wanted to do. Yeah. Well, so that is why the, the character who appears in there, I think it's Tony Gardner, is the character who they brutally murder um, <laughs> immediately after being revived. He oh, he he oversaw kind of the puppetry there as well. Yeah. Um, and we should mention Jason Fleming as Santa. Mm -hmm. He has described this as the one movie that he would strike from his filmography. Really? Yes. What a fucking the, I'm sure he's made like 15 English gangster films yeah. that he's been in. <laughs> this is the man who was in The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Oh, well, yes. That's the it. movie that made Sean Connery <laughs> quit acting. I saw that in the cinema, so I can't really slay it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but all right, is there anything else you want to talk about? Anything we haven't discussed with regards to Seed of Chucky? Yeah, I'd, I'd like to mention one thing. Uh, Sykes and Shitface at Glastonbury. You, you'd absolutely go see it. Absolutely. <laughs> like, you would, like, wouldn't you? It's like, what are they? It's like, yeah, I mean, which the, it doesn't matter. We're going to see Sykes and Shitface. What did they do? It doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. That's I the... think they should get the gang back together and Billy Boyd should, like, 100%. If they should actually do that show, I would go. I'd pay anything. I'd, I'd, <laughs> that's, all day. That's the clip you you play at the Oscars. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Shit <Yeah>. face. We, <laughs> <laughs> we, should, we should note, by the way, that the, the introductory sequence there, he was meant to be threatened uh, with a match um, when he was going to be performed. He was supposed to, when he refused to perform, um, Sykes was supposed to threaten him with a match and hairspray which would then obviously tie into the death um, of wow. Joan at the climax and would tie into that suggestion of you carrying trauma with you and the idea that sometimes you people act out and sometimes these cycles perpetuate. But that was cut, I believe, for time. Yeah, um, yeah. What, what, was there a lot of kind of editing on this? Because, like, I wonder, was... I wonder where where the Richard and I, Richard's wife, who I don't think is named, the kind of uh, the well, dream sequence. Well off, yeah. Well, I wonder was that always a dream sequence? Mm, parent, quite random. Apparently, it? It, apparently it was. Well, again, that's that's Mancini playing with what you think you want from a slasher yeah. movie. Yeah, where like he he does he's doing Psycho. He's very deliberately mm. doing Psycho, for example, like the murder in the shower. Yeah, and the throw from the balcony is is another one. Is that that's an Argento movie? Is it? Am I thinking? Am I remember correctly? Probably every Argento yeah. movie. Say. <laughs> <laughs> that is that's a very fair, and it's, again, it's Jason Bourne. <laughs> that's clearly what he was doing as well. Well, I mean, like again, Jason have... Bourne does that at one point. I think it's in... Oh, um, yeah, he uses the body as a cushion. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I meant the camera actually being fixed to the person as they go over the edge of the balcony. Yeah. That's a classic kind of horror movie trope. And again, we should note, by the way, that like the soundtrack was done by uh, Giuseppe uh, Donaggio, who's worked in, obviously, Italian cinema. He'd worked with Brian De Palma. Oh, okay. He did 
carry, right? Yes, he did. He did yeah. carry. Gorgeous music. Don't Look Now as well. Uh, Piranha from Joe Dante. Jesus, okay. Dress to Kill. He worked a lot, again, we mentioned with Brian De Palma. Yeah. And, like, that was the thing where, like, when they tried to get Tarantino, the letter that they wrote specifically referenced the soundtrack uh, was being done by Pina Donaggio, who was Brian De Palma's guy. Because that's they knew that Tarantino. That's so clever. <laughs> it's yeah. exactly the way to get him. There's no other thing that would get would get him. <laughs> and again, just all the, the horror movie references as well, where you and even just movie references, you're tearing me apart. Yeah. Which is obviously a reference to Rebel Without a Cause, but comes out a year after the room. So you have this <laughs> this moment, this fusion of camp and high culture. Uh the moment where like Chucky breaks down the door with the axe and is like, I wish I could think of something <laughs> yeah. to say right now. Well, uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and even in that in that shining thing, there's the, the that dream sequence bathroom is exactly the same as the two three seven color scheme. Is yes, yeah, perfectly that kind of washed green kind of thing, which yeah, I quite I like. We thought of that. That's interesting. Yeah. I looked her up as soon as I could. That's it. Isn't it? Oh, it is. Thank God, I thought my brain was uh, malfunctioning. <laughs> Again, Mancini, a big kind of horror nerd, obviously somebody with a lot of affection for for the genre as well. Yeah, oh yeah. 100%. Um, but Charlie, is there anything you want to talk about? I think we have discussed already with regards. Uh, we kind of touched on this, but like I have to say, I think these are the best puppets of the whole. Interesting. Yeah, Take I, I that, think Kevin so Yeager. Good. I think they're great, mm. and like not just because uh, Shitface slash Glenn slash Glenda <laughs> um, owns my heart, <laughs> because I just think he's gorgeous. He's so cute. She, they, I don't know, absolutely adorable puppet. But like, I think that Chucky and Tiffany excel in this film as puppets like no disrespect to kevin yeager and all the work that he had done thus far um but i think these are really really great puppets well they're very expressive standing on the shoulders of giants yeah they're very yeah. expressive and sexier because they're hollywood now so even <laughs> sexier if you can imagine <laughs> Got that right. rewinding footage there just to fully appreciate <laughs> you saw her boobs right there amazing <laughs> <laughs> I do love the idea that that was the thing where like Universal were like this is too gay and Don Mancini's like excuse me let me hit rewind here um, you I think you'll find this is the straightest movie there, yeah. <laughs> I think you'll find this is the straightest movie that there ever was thank you very much I wonder where yeah where, uh, there must be a set of people whose like nascent sexuality was fun but <laughs> that, there, there is always like yeah 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 um, <laughs> i'd be surprised if there wasn't <laughs> yeah um and we should note by the way that that uh that fangoria cover that chucky um jerks Glor- it to uh, glorious does not actually exist ah. um but, they, but there they is a they should definitely have put uh Tiffany's boobs on the cover of Fangoria. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, no, they 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 included a cover of Chucky holding that cover of Fangoria. There's a cover of Fangoria that's Chucky holding that. That's good enough. Which that, feels that fits nice. perfectly. Yeah, perfectly yeah. self-referential. Yeah. Andrew, anything jumping out at you that we haven't discussed? Already? I think like like Jennifer Tilly makes a like quite a spread for Red Man. He's not getting through that. Plus he's dead. And also his intestines are on the floor. Yeah, that is <laughs> tricky. Yeah. So that's the food waste. Um but no, no. Um I don't I oh I do like the line at the end where she's like, Don't make the same mistakes your mom and dad made. Especially your dad. <laughs> 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 yeah. 
That's terrific. <laughs> and I think like like Charlene last week mentioned like putting Bride of Chucky in its cultural context. I think it's really fascinating to like try and understand the mind of like somebody watching horror in 2004 where you're going to the cinema and you're seeing like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake. You're seeing Saw. You're seeing the Hills of Eyes remake. You're seeing Hostel. You're seeing Hostel Part 2. Like that is the big push that you have in horror at that moment in time where everything is like grittier, darker, like grimier, dirtier, more violent, more gory, torture porn, that sort of stuff. And it's kind of amazing to think that <laughs> this, this comes rolling out. This comes rolling out in the That's middle. really interesting. I hadn't really thought about that at all, but like I was really so not into that wave of horror at all, which probably why I was so absolutely delighted with this film. Um, but I do remember when I was in the cinema that like a couple of young lads sneaked into the cinema to watch Seed of Chucky. And I remember being like, Jesus, like they were like 11 or something, you know, really young lads. And I was like, God. Oh, Hate this. There's one think they're gonna watch something really scary. <laughs> Just watching this magic. Uh but yeah, it was such a like I think that was a I mean in my opinion, kind of a, a really bad time for horror cinema. Like that's just my own opinion, obviously. Um but it's a it's mad that Seed of Chucky came out amongst that. Like I th- it's straight it feels really strange to me that, that is that period. I think it's it's this movie that finally reckons with nine eleven. <laughs> that's 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 the Darren Bingo card yeah. you're hitting there, isn't I've it? All, I've yeah. always said that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Would you care to elaborate on that? <laughs> I think you're right, Darren. I think it's interesting. I I'm probably largely agree with uh Charlene in terms of that kind of horror and the the that genre. Like I I went back to nothing of those films that you mentioned. I've never gone back to them and I've never really had any. Hold on. Saw 6 is a masterpiece. I like Saw. I watched the whole Saw series so I watched everything but all the Saws and all every others but I haven't gone back to that era going I want to watch this I want to watch this I want to watch this Uh, or see the Chucky I'll watch forever. Mm. You know so it's interesting. I I agree. Torture board doesn't really do it for me. I think they're waiting for like Saw Saw 4, 5 and 6 should be the best because it's the the V looks like a um a saw <laughs> I feel like they made the first three just, just to, get to get there. I mean so true. I, don't argue I mean yeah again like I, I do like that whenever I think when, when Deirdre Malumbi's on the podcast he's always like Darren I love when Darren recommends like a terrible franchise but a random number in it where he's like, <laughs> you know, like, like Halloween three that's the masterpiece of the set or Saw Six Saw Six, that's the one we go for. That's what I love. The horror films are great like that. Horror fans are fantastic. Yeah. Pull any old show and call it masterpiece. I'll do it myself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Rob Zombie's <laughs> Halloween 2. Yeah. You know him, which a great film that is, Darren. Uh, we've just talked for like an hour and a half about seeing Chucky. <laughs> um and just finally before we go, I just because I think this is this is kind of like a worthy closing note on this. Um when Don Mancini was talking to out, out in the dark, interviews with gay horror filmmakers, actors, and authors. Uh, Mancini kind of maybe put a finger on why the reaction to the film was as strong as it was, which is much of Chucky's core audience, young straight guys, reacted to Seed of Chucky with bewilderment and hostility. How dare this movie not scare me? How dare this movie feature dolls in drag and John Waters and Chucky jacking all? (laughs) The movie was camp and quite deliberately silly, but those young horror guys don't like silly. They took it very personally. 
And I think there there is an element of that. I mean, again, I do think the movie is rough around the edges. I think it's very obvious when Cini's a first-time filmmaker. They, they didn't feel seen <laughs> when they had, like, this little guy, like, wanking on screen. Yeah. Um. All right. So I think that then wraps it up, unless there's anything else you want to talk about, anything we haven't discussed already, anything in anybody's notes. No, I, I'm good. I, I, I'm all chucky out. You're all chucky out. All Me too. right. Thank God this is the last one. <laughs> I mean, even if fans wanted us to, I, know. I feel like we couldn't this talk about it. It's nice that they that, that they are so Let's enthusiastic. Just reflect on this like wild ride we've been on. Yeah, yeah, it is. Like, I mean, it, it's kind of amazing. But we'll, you know, I mean, look, I'm really looking forward to talking two weeks about like you know what we're going to talk about then. But thank you, Charlene, for taking the time. Before we go, what we normally do is we like to recommend something for listeners. Now, Andrew, you've already given four recommendations today. I'm going to ask you to reach into the bag. I'm going to ask you to reach deep. I'm going to ask you to find something inside yourself. What would you recommend for listeners? What are you enjoying at the moment? So it, it's been mentioned. Um, we mentioned kind of... Um, is it Saw 6? How... Uh, <laughs> we mentioned how camp is not Saw 6. Um we mentioned how camp and trashy this movie is, and we mentioned Pink Flamingos. I'm going to recommend Pink Flamingos. It's 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 about it 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 has um a a divine and her um uh, family in 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 the movie competing to be the filthiest um in America against some challengers, and it, it yeah it's it's. It's um, it's 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 just a very kind of like filthy, trashy, uh, camp, uh, movie that 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 does maybe belong to be the belong in the top two hundred and fifty movies of all time. Yeah, possibly, and and, and <laughs> uh, it would be like the the like like I kind of um judged uh this movie I think a little bit at the beginning for being possibly like unintentionally uh, crappy but i think pink flamingos is an example of a movie that um is trashy and like bad taste and that the deserves to be on the list maybe for those reasons because it, it it's kind of um you know actually wearing those things proudly and, yeah yeah and actually transgressive and actually pushing the medium in directions that we don't normally celebrate those exactly and I, and i i think you can you can take that interpretation of this movie um as as well but that it's not the the the, the kind of um it feels like i think that's an excellent one pink flamingos yeah is a pure oh. distillation of it i guess yeah Right. And Jay, what would you recommend? What are you enjoying at the moment? Uh, I'm about just over halfway through a uh, a John Grisham movie rewatch of the kind of those nineties kind of classy thrillers that seem to be up every other week. And I'm having an absolute ball with it. Um we spoke about this before, Darren, about the kind of um the extra star you get for being shot on film and having a bit of a budget and having good actors can get you even no matter what the film is before you even get to the thing. It's being made in the nineties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was standard. Yeah. That we that was standard. So I've watched The Rainmaker, The Pelican Reef, The Client, Runaway Jury, and The Gingerbread Man. And they're all varying degrees of fun. <laughs> I remember uh, the gingerbread man. I know, I right? The gingerbread I, man is yeah. Altman meets uh meets Grisham with Kenner Branagh. It's yeah, quite something. Branagh. 
yeah. like, that's that, a great that, rewatch, Jason. Like, I, that's that's a great one. Like, well overdue. I think so. And I, I've still to watch The Firm, The Time to Kill, and The Chamber. I think I still have still left. Um, my my take is Runaway Jury. A Run, did one? you say Runaway Jury? <laughs> my favorite so far is The Pelican Brief, which is great and really horny, and it's only really short of. Um, having Denzel and Julia getting it on and they don't because, you know, They're very busy. it was that time and you couldn't do it. But everything in, like up to the like, last 20 minutes where it kind of falters, it's terrific. Mm. It has Sam Shepard in it. It's just just a classy affair across the board. Um, they're all pretty good. They're all good directors, good size budgets, yeah. back the deep bench of great actors everywhere. Like in all, all the great faces and character actors you wanted in small roles. It's just, I'm having an absolute ball though. I'm still trying to go and I'm going to, taking my time on the last three. It'll be luxuriating when we had budgets and they weren't all shot for Netflix screens and they weren't all dark and looked like shit. Um, I, so it's, uh, it's it's wonderful. I had to do research for a thing a little while ago and I was reading up on reviews of like What Lies Beneath, which is obviously the Harrison Ford, Robert Zemeckis, Michelle Pfeiffer movie. I remember seeing it in the cinema. It's good fun. And I remember like the reviews of it are kind of snooty where they're like, oh, it's another expensive Hitchcock pastiche from another director. Another amazing Yeah, it's like it's another well-made, star-driven thriller with a nice high concept and a good hook <laughs> that gets in in a nice hundred but minutes. Darren, it's like so many of these movies. What are we going to? We do? had. The, I said the same. Like to my, I will say and be honest about it. The nineties, like. Not a fucking John Grisham adaptation. Can we not do something decent at the original? <laughs> and then I look back at it as like a parched desert from here. And I was like, yeah. my God, I'd kill for this. But I, back in the day, I would have been given out as well. You'd kill for a star still in John Grisham. I know, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm waiting for the days when like the kids of our kids or whatever are going, uh, God, Remember when they were doing the 31 Marvel movies? It's like, <laughs> no, remember not when Quantum Mania, when you had that many actors in that many digital sets? We hardly ever get Marvel movies now, only three times a year. <laughs> Please. Um, so that's what I'm doing. One other thing I'll just mention very briefly uh, a book I read, um, which I've been mean to get to after seeing the film a couple of years back, uh, which is Nella Larson's Passing, which is the book from the Rebecca Hall uh, adaptation with um, Ruth Negga and. Oh, the Netflix movie, um, yes. Tessa Thompson, uh, which is, if we're talking about films that should have been in Best Picture and running, I think it's a near masterpiece. I think it's absolutely an extraordinary film and an extraordinary debut. But I read the book and it's, it's quite a slim volume. Um, and it's absolutely stunning. The kind of interiority of it, it's really good at the time, the kind of when it was written and set and the kind of ideas of passing in real terms in that the types of people that, got looked down upon for doing it and the reasons why they did it it's really interesting and really of its time but kind of like almost like a archive project at this stage even though it's a novel to have something to kind of go back on it's made me appreciate the film a lot more because it's it's adaptations are hard and to do them really well is really hard to do them brilliantly is almost impossible and to do it as a debut is staggering to me quite frankly and Hall is a extraordinary career ahead of her I think so I'd recommend the book and the film. Should you want to watch it? I do like Hall, I, like as an uh, as 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 an actor, but also Me too. Kind terrific. of mm. when when I, when I when I see her talking about movies, she's very intelligent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. Charlene, what would you recommend? What are you enjoying at the moment? Um, well, we we were talking about Paramount Plus there, and which in the last episode, and it reminded me of something I'd really liked, which was George and Tammy. Um, which is oh, is that the Jessica Chastain and uh, Michael Shannon with George Jones and Tammy Wynette, and it's directed by John Hillcoat, who you don't see enough of anymore. 
and the proposition. Yeah. Uh, and this is nothing like the proposition. <laughs> I would imagine, yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's like, I mean, it's your most basic, like, you know, country music is too too famous, has a problem with drinking, she can't stay away, you know, it's whatever. Um, but like just amazing costumes, amazing songs, just really good fun. If you're at all into that vibe, then this is like yeah. top notch. And it, they're they both do all their own singing. And I have to say I'm more convinced by Michael Shannon than uh, Jessica Chastain as Tammy Wynette. But, uh, <laughs> but like Michael Shannon, if you if you're a fan at all, he is just so great as George Jones, and his singing is brilliant. Interesting. So it's a it's a fun one to watch. Noted. Yeah. See, that's where all the kind of like John Grisham stuff went. It's now an eight episode miniseries. It is Paramount true. Plus. It's true. It's true. I feel like miniseries is is are, are yeah yeah I I I think I think you're right there. In terms of recommendations for myself, I mean, this is a story about a classic Hollywood monster that finds himself drawn into a meta self-aware narrative, which is adapting his own horrible crimes to the screen and the idea of manifesting himself on reality. So I feel like this pairs quite nicely uh, with Wes Craven's underrated New Nightmare, which I think we mentioned it kind of a prototype for Scream, obviously, without Kevin Williamson writing the script, but gets into this idea of Craven playing with like the idea of horror movies as things that impose themselves upon reality obviously it is very tonally different from seed of chucky but i would wholeheartedly <laughs> recommend it uh, it's somewhat underseen it's somewhat overshadowed it suffers a bit because obviously the original nightmare on elm street is so iconic and when people point to good to sequels they tend to go to like three which i think is dream warriors but yeah i would wholeheartedly recommend um wes craven's new nightmare if you haven't seen it and also just very very briefly i mean this is also the story of a complete monster who is obsessed with the idea of his child being an unworthy successor because he's just not a killer. So I think, you know, very obviously... Oh, here we go. <laughs> as this is coming out last week, the fourth and final scene of Succession has launched. Uh, so I would wholeheartedly recommend checking out Succession. I did a rewatch of it kind of leading up to the fourth season premiere, a masterpiece of television. Is it the best show on television? It is entirely possible that it is. Um, You've also been shown the fourth series in advance. I've seen a couple of episodes. Oh. Yes. Wow. Um, oh. And Barry is also, Barry is not out yet. It'll be coming out in two weeks. Uh, oh, it's final season. Yes. Yeah. It's fourth and final season. It's oh, like wow. Television has ended. Like that's, it's just <laughs> like, we decided to call it a day. After Better Call, Better Call Saul wrapped, we're like, no, it's it's no more television. Well, this is very different, but also I think this is the final season of Marvelous Mrs. Maisel that's coming out in the next couple of months. Whether that's both your vote or not. That's the same week as Succession. Oh, for fuck's sake. That's the same season. For, that's the same week as Succession. So we're, we're just going to be like super, super busy watching telly for and, a few weeks and then nothing. <laughs> and I know that this is going to provoke the ire of at least one person in this chat, but also the same week Ted Lasso is ending. Oh, <laughs> fucking hell. Yeah. Is, like, it, there, is, it, is it not? All the, these nice things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've heard very that... different vibes from each of them to they be clear. Are, but yes. They're all they're all doing they're all doing good work. Yeah. There was yeah. there was this funny kind of like journey with Ted Lasso where I've never seen a single episode. <laughs> but at the initial kind of reaction from a lot of people was it's uh, this is terrific and it's really nice and it's great that that there's something nice. And then it was like a I heard a lot of backlash to it and then kind of the most recent kind of take on it is that they've uh, kind of jumped the shark or whatever 
I don't know. The end of the last season was like the best thing I've ever seen. Ever. Like, <laughs> I just thought it was so great and so dark. Like, they don't. Uh, yeah. It's not that nice. <laughs> like, what? No, I, I think what's really interesting. Again, this is not a Ted Lasso podcast. Jay says, thank God. No. <laughs> um, oh, I like Ted Lasso. Do, do you like Ted Lasso? Yeah, Fantastic. wait, what do you think? I, what does my reputation precede me? Is this is this what this is? Jay likes everything. I, I mean, it is a, it is a, a TV show about a really nice American who is. Just I will really qualify nice to that. People. I do like football, okay. but also. Okay. Um, How do you feel about Jason Sudeikis? See, this is this is where my issue is a little bit. No, I don't mind him as an actor, but there's a bit of a alleged reputation washing, to say the least. Uh, that's all I'll say. You know, so the podcast will be released. <laughs> but, but you um, know. You can but, cut that out as you see fit, but you know that's a uh, that's well, no, I, I, the I, worry, I, I guess. But the show is good; I really enjoy it. I yeah, again, I've seen a couple of episodes of the third season. Um, I think what's interesting about it is that it, I think Charlene's right. It's not it it lulls you into a false sense of security with its first season, where it makes you think that it's a show about a nice man who does nice things to nice people, and nice things happen. Yeah, and then the second season kind of like complicates that by suggesting that maybe just doing nice things does not cause nice things to happen in response. And that maybe contributed to some of the backlash where a lot of people had made Ted Lasso is nice into their personality. In fairness, I think it was a COVID thing as well. I think it hit right at the peak thing that people needed it. I think that was part of it as well. Yes. And they also watched the first season as a binge and then watched the second season live. And when you watch something live, it's a very different thing. And also like, yeah, again, I just, I, I like the second season a lot. It, it begins as a half hour sitcom and it's kind of morphed into a 50 minute drama. Mm. It's yeah. like a very interesting structural transition that has taken place yeah. where the first season may as well be like scrubs. And then the set that when you get to the third season, it's like fucking uh, was the uh, Perry Mason HBO reboot, <laughs> um, which is quite remarkable. Uh, hmm. All right. With that in mind, then um, we're going to wrap up. But Jay, if listeners are looking for a bit more Jason Coyle in their lives, where can they find you? What are you at? What's up to? God help them. Uh, I'm at a JPR coin on Twitter and I'm not really doing anything except just moping about the place. <laughs> All right. But, you know, I'm still there moping about the place and complaining about stuff. But, you know, the usual the last 12 years or whatever. But that's fine. <laughs> it's fine. It's Love fine, the enthusiasm, man. the warmth. <laughs> uh, and, and Charlene. Because this is definitely the last episode we're doing. Yeah. Absolutely. We're certainly not going to come back and cover the two movies that I've <laughs> released a video. Where can people find you? What are you at? Watch up to? Uh, I'm I'm on like Twitter and Instagram at Charlene Leiden. Not doing an awful lot. Probably retweeting stuff about horror stuff. <laughs> That's about it. <laughs> Just mainly talking about Chucky. <laughs> <laughs> doing do the Lord's work, Charlene. Sometimes you tag me in things when I'm on your podcast, Aaron. <laughs> 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 yeah, we don't, yeah by the way you, your, your twitter notifications are going to be very busy today um, right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on top of everything um, alright you can follow us we're on twitter we're at the 250 you can find us on Stitcher and SoundCloud and iTunes wherever good podcasts are found we're definitely done we are absolutely positively I know people don't believe us go check the feed you'll see we're done I understand why people don't at this, this point, at this I'm point. getting a feeling that this is all a big elaborate prank. I don't know. I, I just no. get that feeling. I don't know. No. You guys wouldn't lie to me, would you? No. No. I mean, not today of all days. Oh, like, it's, it's the first day of April. It's like yeah. the start ah, of spring. True. It's right, like yeah. summer's I mean, that does, It checks out, I guess. Yeah. yeah. yeah that's fine. Know? Well, I'm going to bed, I mean, so 
I'll definitely. We'd have to wake you up. Yeah, yeah, in order to do I, it for the, and that would be insane. You'd have to throw rocks at my window. It's <laughs> <laughs> with a little boombox <laughs> held by a little Chucky figure. He knows oh. the playing. <laughs> yeah. All right. With that in mind, you can join us next two weeks from now, where Andrew and I will definitely, absolutely, positively be talking about Star Trek for the Voyage Home. We swear. Take care. <laughs> Bye. All right. Perfect. Bye. Thank Bye. you. Bye.